In today's society, it is expected, at least in the United States, that men and women be treated equal and that the rules for men and women are the same. But that is definitely not the case in the Bible. In the Old Testament, the men frequently had multiple wives, but the women did not have multiple husbands while the other husband was still living, nor did the single women go out and have sex with men while they were unmarried. It's not at all like it is today. Society today has taken on a terrible evil. It has gotten so bad that when you hear that someone is getting married, it's difficult to even rejoice because very often they have been sleeping with each other before the wedding. It is so different. And even in the churches, I know this is happening. So I'm going to speak about the difference between men and women, as set up in the Bible. We must ground ourselves by Bible. There's one very important scripture that I think is often omitted when parents are teaching their young children, their teenage daughters, their teenage sons, about the subject of sex. I would appreciate if you would turn with me to 1 Corinthians Chapter 6, for this is the critical point that you need to teach your children. In this passage of scripture, Paul is speaking to the men because who would have ever thought the women would act as unpaid prostitutes today? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15, Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. He's saying, shall I take the members of Christ and make them the members of a prostitute? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. Now, let's talk about that for a minute. What makes them one body? It's not a marriage certificate. It's sexual intercourse. And Paul is telling the men, even if you have sex with a harlot, a prostitute, you become one flesh with that prostitute. And are you going to then do that and make that prostitute a member of the body? So now let's reread it, thinking of this. 1 Corinthians 6. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith God, shall be one flesh. Verse 18. Flee fornication, says Paul. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Fornication is a very serious sin. You become one flesh with that other person. You're going to be fragmented in mind and spirit. You're going to be fragmented if you do this. 
Now, if you will teach your young people this point, they'll have a much better chance of avoiding sex before marriage. I'm telling you, the churches, it is, it's full of things like this. I was first propositioned at church, at a church of Christ, when I was approximately 15 years old by one of the young men in the Church of Christ. Later, when I was 37 and born again and attended a church, I had a terrible experience. I was dating a man from the church, a man who said he was a prophet. We came home from a meeting at church, a church meeting. I went into the kitchen of my apartment to make coffee. When I stepped out of the kitchen, Joe was standing there totally naked. He tried to rape me. I broke loose and fled my apartment and managed to get my car keys so I could drive to the business I owned, and I hung out there at my business until he left my apartment. When I saw his car was gone, I came back into my apartment. This is not unusual. I'm sorry to say it's not unusual. In 1985, I moved from Dallas, Texas to Clovis to help my mother, who my father had died, and I moved to help her. A man who was doing some construction work for me at the time, some concrete work, was a deacon at the Baptist church, the local Baptist church. He came in my apartment to visit with me about the concrete work. He began talking to me about sex and tried to get me to have sex with him. He said, God knows we need sex. I was horrified. I went to my bedroom and got my Bible, came back to the living room, and began reading the Bible to him. And this is the exact passage I was reading to him. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. I t this man had a wife and children, and he was trying to have sex with other women. Well, he never tried that with me again after I read the Bible to him, but how many of your young women would he be able to have sex with? He's a deacon in a Baptist church, a respected businessman in the community. What about the teenagers that he might approach? I heard that he had propositioned many women at the church. I have not found this unusual. I have found in the singles classes at the church that I've attended, I've found it in businesses, I've found it in various places among the church where I have been approached by men trying to get me to have sex with them. In the church, people hiding out in the church. At one of the churches that I attended, our Bible teacher, whom I was very fond of, was a divorced man. And it was, I, I was visiting with a woman who owned a coffee shop. She owned a coffee bean type shop. And she began talking about this man, our Bible teacher. And she said, he's such a bad influence for my boyfriend. I was just horrified to think this. The person from our church group 
by someone in the world, she was describing him as a bad influence for her boyfriend who was a worldly man. This is going on today, people. Don't be blind. If you're a parent, you're going to have to talk to your children. You cannot assume just because you're attending a church that the singles class at the church is going to be safe. That is not the case. And that's why I'm telling you this today. Actually, I'm telling you this today because the Spirit of God is drawing it out of me to tell you, to warn you. Because that is what is happening. Teach your children. If you have sexual intercourse, you become one flesh with that person. Now, they may be starry-eyed and want to be one flesh with that person. What happens when that person disappears? Will you ever be able to have that solid marital relationship that you want if you do this? That's the only thing strong enough, I think, to keep your children and certainly warn them about the churches. You cannot expect just because the person is a minister that he is not going to proposition you. You cannot expect that. We see too much of this going on in the church today. Warn your young men. This is a worldly thing that you can take great pride among your buddies for the number of conquests you've made with women, but you're going to destroy your life by doing this. Because this is what the Bible teaches. Even if you have sex with a prostitute, you become one flesh with that person. So what about the rest of your life? So the Apostle Paul taught the men, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now every scripture that I am led to share with you today, and I don't have any scriptures in front of me, I I'm reminded of the scripture as I'm speaking to you. The Holy Spirit reminds me of the scripture that he wants me to speak. I pause the recording machine and turn to that scripture and we will read it together. But you might be driving in a car and you might not have that scripture written down. Don't worry, you can go to our blog where you will see every scripture of this episode, which is episode number two. You will see every scripture printed on our blog. The blog name is Jesus Ministries Exhortations. Be sure and put that word exhortations on it because there are several other ministries in the United States called Jesus Ministries. That's not unusual, but ours has the word exhortation on our blog. E-X-H-O-R-T-A-T-I-O-N-S. So you have to put that on it to reach the blog. But once you get there, on the right side of the home page you will see podcast scriptures where you will see every scripture that I have stated here today on this broadcast so you will be able to go to our blog Jesus Ministries Exhortations and you will find every scripture 
that I have quoted on today's broadcast, which is episode number two. Let's talk for a minute about the difference in Old Testament and New Testament. In Old Testament, men had many wives, many wives. In the New Testament, they were expected to have one wife. In the Old Testament, women did not have multiple husbands unless their previous husband had died. In the New Testament, we've got a mess today. We really do. Society itself, you turn on television and you see things you would not have seen 20 or 30 years ago on television. Today it has become the normal for young men and women to have sex together before they're married. It's almost a shame if you don't by today's society. But in the sight of God, we just can't live that way. How we shouldn't live that way. And definitely what I'm being led to say to you today is for you parents to exhort your children on these ways of God. It's a terrible thing we have today, but I'll tell you what it shows us. The thing we're seeing today, the wickedness we are seeing today, lets us know we are drawing much closer to the return of Jesus. If you see leaves beginning to come on a tree, what do you know? You know winter is almost over and spring is coming. Those little leaves that come out on that tree show you that. Jesus says exactly the same thing in Luke chapter 21. We don't know when Jesus is returning, but one of the signs is the leaves on the tree of wickedness. Paul said that in the end days, evil men would wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And he was speaking of in the church because he said they're ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power of God, the power of the scriptures. I have seen it so many times, sadly, but it's worse and worse and it is in the church. I was quoting the scriptures from 2 Timothy chapter 3. In the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of their own self. And he says they will have a form of godliness. They'll say, I'm a Christian. They may go to church. They may do all the kinds of things that you think show they're a Christian but these are going to be evil men hanging out inside the churches. It's a terrible time and a dangerous time. It looks like a time of peace, especially in the United States, but it is not a time of peace for those of us in the churches. It is not at all a time of peace. It's a time of great danger, just like Paul said it would be. He said it would be perilous times. Well, back to the subject of the difference of men and women in the Old and New Testaments. In the Old Testament, men had multiple wives, and you'll frequently read about them having 70 wives, 80 wives, 100 wives. It may shock you to learn that Solomon, King Solomon, 
had 700 wives and 300 concubines. 1 King chapter 11 But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonites, and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord had said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come into you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these women in love. He had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. That is 1 Kings 11.3. For it came to pass, when Solomon was old, that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord, his God, as was the heart of David, his father. David was a man after God's own heart. He sinned with Bathsheba, paid a terrible penalty for it. The penalty upon David for that sin with Bathsheba and killing, uh, having uh, Uriah killed was his own child with Bathsheba died. But he did have a child with Bathsheba later who ended up being Solomon. And Solomon was given wisdom above all men. And yet, he had these strange wives who turned his heart against the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and turned him to other gods, the gods of the strange countries. Don't think it can't happen to you. I met a woman who told me that her daughter was trying to bring a young man back to their church group. And I said to her, and I know this was from God, a word of wisdom. She, the teenage daughter, will not turn him back to the church group. He will pull her away from the church. This woman was horrified. She said, oh, that would never happen. You don't know how much faith my daughter has. You don't know. I do know. That mother is so starry-eyed, she thinks this won't happen to her daughter. If we wake up and read the Bible, we will see many things that we think won't happen. And this warns us. Even Solomon, the greatest wisdom given to man, went after these strange women. The power of the flesh is so strong. Well, in the Old Testament, it was not unusual for men to have multiple wives, but women did not have multiple husbands. And women weren't out there having sex before marriage unless they were prostitutes. In the book of in the Levites, uh, or the book of Leviticus, why oh, there are terrible penalties for women who go out and have sex before marriage. It shows you God's heart. He intended the seed of the woman to be pure. So there is a difference between men and women in the Bible. The New Testament church, there is a, women are not permitted to go out and have multiple husbands and divorce and remarriage, marry and be approved by God. This is not approved by God. 
the divorced woman who remarries commits adultery, according to the New Testament. If you will look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 32, you will see that. Because God is telling the men, before times, in verse 31, he says, before times, in the olden times, you've heard it said to give your wife a bill of divorcement if you wish to divorce her. But I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except for the case of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And the man who marries the divorced woman commits adultery. Matt, you, you can read that for yourself, but it is Matthew 5.32. And I've heard people at churches twist this to say, well, the woman's free to remarry if the husband's committing fornication. That is not so, because we have a commandment from the Lord presented from by the Apostle Paul. If you will turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 10 and 11, you should see that that doctrine is false. 1 Corinthians 7, verses 10 and 11, the Apostle Paul says, Unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord. Let not the wife depart from her husband, but and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. So women who think they can divorce and remarry, you better look at this verse of Scripture, for this is the New Testament rule presented by God, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul. Let's reread it. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 10. And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord. Let not the wife depart from her husband, but and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. So that is the rule set forth by God on this subject. So you divorce and you remarry. And then you're born again. What then? We had a case like that in our church group. The main thing is you look at these scriptures and you come to see that you committed adultery when you divorced and remarried. Now, you don't commit adultery when you divorce. You commit adultery when you divorce and remarry. As a woman, you commit it even if your husband was committing fornication. If, a, if you're a man, there's a slightly different rule. You may not think it's fair, but I'm talking about Bible. I'm not talking about being fair in the eyes of the world today. I'm not even talking about being fair in the eyes of the church world today. I'm talking about in the eyes of God. Because we all must appear at the judgment seat of Christ and at that time, we're going to be judged by what we do here according to the Word of God, not according to what your church teaches, according to the Word of God. I'm quoting from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 when I quote this. And Paul went on to say in that, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. 
God is not like a grandfather Santa Claus, as many in the churches think. If you read the Bible, you see a tremendous power of God, and you see God going in and destroying Sodom and Gomorrah in the end times, Revelation 8 through 16. God is going to send incredible plagues upon the earth and destroy men. He's not a grandfather Santa Claus. That is the fleshly image that many people want to have of God. Oh, go out and do what you want to do. God forgives you. It's under the blood. That's not true. Your initial sins are under the blood of Jesus Christ. And we come to God. Well, what happens 50 years down the road? What happens when the news worn off and you've been in church for 50 years it's those who endure by the Bible who will frankly be saved those who drift away and think they are saved forever they are not because if you want proof read Revelation 2 and 3 those who overcome those who overcome through Jesus, through the word of God. Those are the ones that are cited in Revelation 2 and 3 in the seven churches. Overcoming. We are all tempted in various ways. Those who overcome are the ones that are going to be taken up by Jesus when he returns. I think some others will be left on the earth to go through the great tribulation. That's my opinion. Some of the others in the churches where they have committed all types of sins and hidden. I think I started out at one point talking about uh, our Bible teacher at our church. The woman at the coffee shop said he was such a bad influence on her boyfriend. And then she mentioned this man's girlfriend. None of us knew he had a girlfriend. It's like he had a life in the church in front of us and another life in private. I didn't know he had a girlfriend. So I went to him and I said, I have heard about your girlfriend. Is this true? Do you have a girlfriend? And he said, yes. And he tried to beat around the bush. He was so evasive. I point blank said, are you having sexual intercourse with this girlfriend? He said to me, of course. I said, you know the Bible as well as I do. If you're having sexual intercourse with this girlfriend, I can't keep company with you anymore in the church. I'm quoting from what Paul told us in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's take a look at that because this is what we're supposed to do. We'll start reading at verse 11. Paul says to the church, But I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer, 
or a drunkard or an extortioner with such a one know not to eat. You cannot participate with men in the church or women in the church who do these sins. And in verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 5, Paul said, Therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. He was our Bible teacher. Our Bible teacher. It was heartbreaking. But I did what Paul said. He said, Now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such a one know not to eat. Well, many pastors today are extortioners. They take scripture and try to make you give money to them. They try to get your money through scripture by twisting you, thinking, making you think God will not bless you unless you give to us. Don't you hear that? I heard it all the time in churches. That's extortion in the church. Well, Paul says don't have anything to do with them when you recognize it. But here I had a man who is the Bible teacher at the church I attended who was telling me that he was having sex with someone, frankly, from the local bar because he had a problem wanting to go to local bars. And I found out about that before I found out about the girlfriend. I told him, I said, before you leave your apartment, you sit down and write a teaching to me from the Bible and send it to me by mail. He did it for about five days, and he told me, and then he quit doing it. And he told me, he said, during that time he wrote that teaching to me every day, he began to not want to go to the bars. The bars won out. I don't know what the outcome of this man would be, but it is not going to be good. It's just not going to be good. So people wake up. The churches have great evil going on inside the congregations, inside the ministries, not just the congregations. And when you see it, you can't turn them. You simply have to walk out. There's not any way I could turn this man. I did all I could do. And I simply had to say, I can't keep company with you anymore. He didn't care. <laughs> when I said it to him, he said, that's right. He knew the Bible. He knew what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5. He knew it as well as I did. And when I said, oh, you know the Bible as well as I do, I can't keep company with you anymore. I can't come to your Bible class I can't visit with you. I can't have anything to do with you. I even had to leave that church group. And what he said to me is, that's right. We have to go by these things in the Bible. And if we go by them, guess what? We're going to be blessed by God while we're on this earth in addition to being blessed through all eternity. 
But if we violate these scriptures, we are going to bring curses upon ourselves and some people will be damned who go to church because they loved, they fail to love the truth of God. They fail to love the word of God. They love their church groups. They love the society of their church groups. Their church groups are like country clubs to them. Their whole social life is tied up in their church group. Even though there's sin in the church, and some of them know there's sin in it, they stay in there. Well, we'll close today with a scripture on that subject, which is Second Thessalonians chapter 2, for there's a serious fate involved for those people who cling to their churches and love their churches more than they love the Word of God, which their churches are violating. We are going to close with this scripture, Second Thessalonians chapter 2. We'll begin at verse 10. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they might all be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. I read this scripture one time to a woman in the faith movement. I was talking with her on the phone and she was a very close friend of mine. And I said, listen to this, Lily. I want you to read this, rather. I think I said, I want you to read it. So she picked up a Bible and began reading it aloud, starting with Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, and she said, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. I said, that's right, Lily. The God you think you know in the faith movement is not the God of the Bible. And she just gasped. She couldn't believe God would send a strong delusion. This is the Apostle Paul speaking in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, warning us. If you don't love the scripture more than your church, and you sit there in a church where they're violating the scripture, this is the story of what's going to happen to you. And for this cause, 2 Thessalonians 2.11, and for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. I make these recordings by the Spirit of God, meaning God has taught me, just read the Bible my, in my private time. Read the Bible. Keep yourself free from sin. Pray. Commit your cares to me. Live in peace without spot and blameless, which Peter said to do. And when you speak to people, don't plan ahead what you're going to say. Trust me. I've always just gotten in front of people, whether it was a live audience or whether it's a radio broadcast or now a podcast, or whether I'm writing on our blog or writing books. I write books which are published on Amazon. 
God says, just get in front of them. I will bring to your mind by my spirit what I want you to say to them. Nothing is written down in advance that I've spoken to you today. It's all been by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God today is warning you. Teach your children. Exhort yourself. If you are tempted yourself in adultery or fornication, you call out to God, please, don't let me do this. But teach your children. Teach them they become one flesh with that person if they're going to have sex with that person. And while they might want to be one flesh with a person when they're 15 years old, when they get ready to marry, it may ruin their life forever. I'd make it so strong their hair would stand on end if I, was, if I had a child and was talking to that child. And I hope you will too because this is from God by His Spirit. This is a warning to you from God. This is Joan Boney, B-O-N-E-Y, speaking. If you want to see the books I've written, go to Amazon and look under the name Boney, B-O-N-E-Y, and you will find the books that I have written for the ministry. There are quite a few of them. Right now I'm working on a new series which ties the Old Testament to the New Testament it shows that God in his image, because I've heard too many people say, oh, my God would never do that, and I just stare at them. I think, you don't know God. Again, they've got a Santa Claus grandfather image of God. But if you want an image of God, you read the Old Testament and then compare it to the New Testament, and you will see a much more realistic image of God. And I remind you once again, Paul said he persuaded men because he knew the terror of the Lord. 1 Corinthians, no, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And that's what we're interested, those of us who are real ministers of God. We are warning you. The end is drawing here. You must take care of your own way of life and the life of your children you must step out and help your children. But this is Joan Boney speaking, and I urge you again to go to our blog, Jesus Ministries Exhortations. Click on Podcast, which is on the right-hand side of the page, homepage. It will bring up all the podcasts which I have recorded. Every one of these podcasts have every scripture that I have spoken for that podcast printed out for you. So you can copy these scriptures for yourself and look upon them and think upon them day and night and move in the way of God. For this is the way of God for us, the church. Thank you for allowing me to speak to you.